now, Truckers Radio USA presents... Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! Where are their pants? The Derriers! Oh, yeah! The Derriers! Two amazing brothers, boldly exploring the universe of music in the Americana Roadshow. The Derriers are Kansas City's dubious backup specialists. Elvis had the Jordanaires. These are the Derriers. Rhythm guitar, bass, and harmony vocals. Please welcome Leo and Roger Eilts, the Derriers. Welcome to the Americana Roadshow, right here on Truckers Radio USA. I'm Roger Eilts. I'm Leo Eilts. And we are the Derriers. Wouldn't you know it? We're just doing it again, Roger. We're still doing it. We're still doing it. Yeah, haven't figured out anything We don't know what it is. Yeah. We just do it. It. And this it is that we just drive around the country looking for music. That's basically it. And it's it is everywhere. Oh, it is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, ditches, you know, laying by the side of the road. People just forget it. They walk away from it. They're irresponsible with their music. They are. Yeah. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they do leave it laying around. Around and and we practice safe music. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, <laughs> Not we pick really. It up, dust it off. Well, <laughs> well, we use it. It's a, like sort of the the ten second rule. There you go. If yeah. it hasn't been laying around too long, yeah, it's still good. That's right. Got gotcha. you. Well, people ask us. They say. Derry is exactly what is Americana music, and they. We, I don't know why they ask us. I mean, well, it, I mean, it, it, it sounds like they expect that we are some kind of experts. Which we are certainly not. <laughs> we do have an opinion. We have an opinion. Yeah. And that has evolved into a definition. Pretty much, yeah. And, and that is, we think it's music with distinctive, distinctive American, American roots. roots. And having said that, man, it could be like totally all over the place, and it really is. Oh, well, yeah. Well, it could be. It could be country. It could be rock and roll. It could be western. It could be blues. It could be techno. It could be rockabilly. It could be rock and roll. It could be classical. It could be indie rock. Jazz. Uh, Tex-Mex. Uh, it could be barbershop. It could be ska. But you know what else could really, <laughs> really, really be before we just dig ourselves a hole here? But yeah. It could be boogaloo. boogaloo. Yeah, we just like saying boogaloo. Yeah, and it should be boogaloo more often. Yeah, it is. We're, we can it's do some. boogaloo quite a bit. We'll do enough. more. Yeah. yeah, we'll do more. Well, the format of the show is that uh, each of us shows up every week with a virtual fistful of tunes. And that's the only rule that we don't we don't discuss it ahead of time. That's right, it. we've not disclosed it to the that's other right. guy. That's right. And we take turns starting the show. And this is an even numbered show, uh-huh. number one fifty two. Right. And we decided some time back that what we do is keep it straight. You would go first on the even numbered shows, and mm-hmm. I'd go first on the odd numbered shows. That's right. Okay, so there we go. It's on to you. Okay, so uh, in my uh, musical ramblings, uh, I, I stumbled upon an album. I just like the name. The album's called Big Steel Guitar. <laughs> okay. Now, why wouldn't you like that? Why would you like Big Steel, baby? Uh, so uh, I started listening to it. It's a guy by the name of Lloyd Green. Uh-huh. So, uh, man, what a... What a uh, uh, life he has had in in music, uh, you know he he was born in 1937 and uh, in Leaf, Mississippi, which is about 40 miles southeast of Hattiesburg, and then they moved to Mobile, uh, Alabama, at the age of four, where he began to take music lessons. It's really interesting, I think. At the age of seven, he applied for lessons at the Oahu Music Company, but they did not take students under 14. But they allowed him a test lesson. 
and they found his strong uh, aptitude, so they let him enroll. Really? And yeah. how old was he at the time? Uh, at the time, he was um, So they had seven. like a 14, a seven, oh yeah. boy. But they didn't allow students till they were 14. Right. But, but they took him. Oh, jeez. So um, uh, he was an exceptional student to the extent that the, the, the uh, school used him in, for the promotional materials and newsletters. And he, he said, I became the poster child for the course when I was about 10 years old. Huh. And uh, and then he at about that time he re- received his first electric Hawaiian guitar, which was a, lap, a Rickenbacker Bakelite lap steel yep. with an Oahu amplifier. Okay, and he could memorize songs and play them back exactly as the teacher played them. So it wasn't reading music, right? But he could hear hear it. Had a great ear. Okay. And so lap steels were getting pedals added to him and became the new pedal steel guitar. He made an improvised pedal to add to his lap steel using an automobile accelerator pedal. (laughs) Oh, man. Vroom, vroom. Yeah, vroom, vroom. (laughs) So uh, anyway, graduated from high school in 1955. And then uh, he uh, decided to take a year off college and uh, moved to Nashville to pursue music. And, uh, you know, he, he got, got in with people like uh, Ferlin Husky and George Jones, um, and he, he uh, toured. But then after about a, uh, a, a one-month tour with Ferlin Husky with Money Tight, he swore he'd never tour again. Oh, really? So this was in 1963. Uh, no, this was 1961, and he took a, a job as a shoe salesman and didn't play his guitar for two years. <laughs> Okay. And then he got a job uh, uh, working in a Nashville office of a music licensing company, and he didn't have enough money to re- renew his expired musician's union card, and Fred Rose's widow renewed it for him. Hmm. And at that point, he became um, the session guy. Okay, yeah. And so he played uh, averaging 400 sessions a year for 17 years. Uh, you know, and, and here's a partial list. Farron Young, Freddie Hart, The Birds, Charlie Pride, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, Dolly Parton, mm-hmm. Ricky Scabs, T.G. Shepard. I mean, just go on and on. Yep. So um, anyway, it, it's, it's great. There's a little follow-up story, but I'm going to wait on that. Um, we're going to listen to this one from Big Steel Guitar, 1964, Lloyd Green doing Bud's Bounce. <laughs> Thank you. 
big steel guitar. No kidding, man. That's yeah. We were just talking uh, while we were listening to the song there that those guys that made a career, you know, of studio work. I mean, we're talking uh-huh. about the Wrecking Crew and those guys down in Nashville and, uh, you know, out, down south. They, they stay home, man. They, they play yep. all day and went home at night. Went home at night for dinner. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, smart choice. All smart right, choice. Leo. Well, I think it's your turn. Well, we, uh, as usual, you know, I can already tell from where we're starting out that you and I have crossed over similar paths, you know. Okay. One of which has to do with, um, you know, working as, as a musician as opposed to doing other things, right? Right. So there's this guy, his name, his full name was uh, Irving Lee Dorsey, right? Lee okay. Dorsey. He was okay. born in, oh, uh, in okay. 1924. And um, he, had, he had some minor hits, but I mean, he, he worked really hard. He did a good job of it. He had a big hit in 1961 called Yaya, you know. Oh, yeah. Yaya, <laughs> and working in the coal mine, you know, he did right. a lot of those. But anyway, um, he a lot of his work was produced by the same guy, a guy named Alan, I think it was Toussaint or Toussaint. Toussaint, Toussaint yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a, a backing band called The Meters at the time. But anyway, he was born in New Orleans, and um, one of his childhood friends was Fats Domino. And at some point, he moved to Portland, Oregon uh, with his family when he was 10 years old. And he lived, I mean, he served in the United States Navy in World War II. And now listen, this is this is cut where it gets interesting. He decided to become a prize fighter. Oh, jeez. Okay. And he was he was boxing in the featherweight division of, of prize fighting. And uh, he really wanted to, he even got a name. He called himself Kid Chocolate. Right? Okay. So he trained real hard, you know, and he got and he got to his first fight and he was knocked out in the second round and that was the end of it. Wow. So he goes okay, so he goes back to New Orleans, right? This is about nineteen fifty five and he opened up an auto repair business and said, That's it, I'm gonna fix cars, right? And then in the evenings he'd sing it in the clubs in town or whatever. Well anyway he met another he met this guy, uh, Alan, and he, he recorded that song with him every everything. And uh, all of a sudden that song went to number seven. Wow. on the pop charts and then it just kind of stalled out there and uh you know it sold a lot of a lot of records and everything but it, the the follow it didn't work very well so he says yep i guess i'm gonna go back to working on cars oh, <laughs> so he went back to his repair business right good to have a day job it's good to have it yeah so he, he they come back to him again right another another song by the same guy ride your pony okay all right that was for the Amy label, which was a subsidiary of Bell Records at the time. And it went to number seven on the RBN chart in late 1965. Okay. All right. So in 1970, they collaborated on that album, Yes, We Can. It was a, 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 a Dorsey's last entry in the U.S. singles chart, right? And it was later a hit for the Pointer Sisters and everything. But the sales went down. So guess what he did? I bet we went to... Back to working on cars. Went back to working on cars. <laughs> oh man! Well, there's always going to be broken cars. There's always know? going to be broken cars. But anyway, this this was a good song, right? And it did a really good job of it. And it just it was a good match between the performer and the band and and the song and everything else. It was uh, his song from 1965 called "Ride Your Pony."
As a pop musician, he was a pretty good mechanic. Yeah. And as a mechanic, he was a pretty good pop musician. So there you go. That's great. Okay, Raj. That's back to you. Well, uh, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna see your um, prize fighter and raise you a baseball player. Oh, okay. okay? So uh-huh. we'll get there. Okay. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go back to... Um, uh, back to Lloyd Green before I uh, move on. Uh-huh. So um, he, there, a lot of people say that Green's 1968 performance on Charlie Pride's in-person album was the highlight of his career to that point. Really? And it demonstrates Green's skill in bringing out a vocal performance without overplaying. And aficionados call it the best live steel album ever cut. And it is Green's personal favorite album to have played on. Really? Yeah. So well, that's, um, that's high praise right there. So a- I had to go look. And one thing that I realized was we have not yet covered Charlie Pride. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's so true. I, I mean, whatever, there's a lot of right. people out yeah. there. It's kind of interesting. His, um, uh, his father uh, wanted to name him Charles Frank Pride. But it, uh, owing to a clinic, a clerical error, they, his legal name was Charlie. Yeah, it happened a lot back yeah. then, yeah. So uh, when he was 14, his mother purchased him his first guitar. He taught himself to play. It, but he loved music, but his lifelong dream was to become a professional baseball player. Huh. So uh, he played in the Negro Leagues. And uh, uh, he, in 1953, during that season, an injury caused him to lose the mustard on his flas- fastball. And he was sent... Back down. Back down the minors, right? right. Mm-hmm. So, but later that uh, season, <laughs> Jesse, uh, uh, Charlie Pride and Jesse Mitchell were traded to the Birmingham Black Barons for a team bus. <laughs> oh, and Pride no. mused later on. He said, "I was, uh, I had the distinction of being the o- one of the only players in history to be traded for a used motor vehicle." <laughs> 
Oh man! So he finally gave up on that, and he uh, uh, he was uh, suggested that he go to Nashville, and he recorded. He got a contract. Uh, he's one of three me- uh, black members of the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. And, what an incredible voice! But oh uh, yeah, gee, God. Yeah. So uh, anyway, DeFord. Uh, Bay, Bay, uh, Bailey and Darius Rucker, the mm-hmm. other two guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, Darius! Yeah, he played. Uh, he was with. Um, how come that Darius Rucker? I'm just, oh, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, those guys. But anyway, then he went country and right, really got right. yeah. So uh, anyway, but back to Charlie Pride, Hootie and the Blowfish. There you go. There you go. Okay. Um, but he, uh, he's just. A, it, this, this was also an interesting thing. Um, he said in 1966, then he did several good releases. He was booked for his first large show in Detroit's Olympia Stadium. Since no biographical information had been included with those singles, few of the 10,000 country fans who came to the show knew Pride was black. Uh-huh. And they discovered it uh, only when he walked onto the stage, at which point the applause trickled off to silence. <laughs> He said, I knew I'd have to get over with it sooner or later. And I told the audience, friends, I realize it's a little unique, me coming out here with a permanent suntan to sing country and western to you. But that's just how it is. Wow. And, of course, the rest is history. Yeah. So uh, it's a great album. And I I listened to a lot of it. But um, uh, he just, uh, Charlie does a great job with this song. And Lloyd Green, of course, uh, it's great to listen to both of them, the interplay. Uh, from his In Person, which is a live album, 1968, Charlie Pride doing Streets of Baltimore. Sold a farm to take my woman where she longed to be. We left our kin and all our friends back there in Tennessee. Bought those one-way tickets. She had often begged me for it And they took us to the streets of Baltimore Her heart was filled with laughter When she saw those city lights She said the prettiest place on earth Is Baltimore at night Oh, well, a man feels proud to give his woman what she's longing for. And I kind of like the streets of Baltimore. Then I got myself a factory job. I ran an old machine. Bought a little cottage in a neighborhood serene. Every night I came home with every muscle sore She would drag me through the streets of Baltimore Well, I tried my best to bring her back to what she used to be But I soon learned to love those bright lights much more than she loved me Well, I'm a-going back on that same train That brought me here before While my baby walks the streets of Baltimore Yes, my baby walks the streets of Baltimore Streets of Baltimore, thank you.
That's a, yeah, that's great stuff. Yeah, it's a good yeah. performance. It really is. You know, I just went back and looked. Um, uh, we did, or I think you did, the Bobby Bear version of that song on yeah. episode thirteen. Sometime thirteen. Back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and we are. We I think we already mentioned we're at one fifty now. One fifty two. Yes, we are. Good grief. Yeah. Wow. All right. Hey, you know what? Ah, uh, what? We're out of time. For I this knew segment. you were going to say that. That's yeah. right. Okay. So uh, it's moving day tomorrow, of course. That's correct. And so uh, we need to clean up the trash and uh, uh, check uh, that uh, uh, left rear inside, inside duel. duel. Yeah. And you know what? It's your turn. It is my turn. And I'll take care of the cat box. Of course you will. You know, or it's kind Ardmore, of a, Ardmore will let you know. Ardmore and I, are, we, it's kind of a, a, a bonding experience for us. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Enjoy yeah. that. I'd rather do that than check the time. I'm sure you would. Okay, fine. Well, we'll take care of our respective duties, and then we'll be back. Uh, this is the Americana Roadshow right here on Truckers Radio USA. We are back, and um, um, uh, I, I, did you get the trash cleaned up? And, I, I did, and and Ardmore and I had our little you uh-huh. know little thing, and, right? And I got the you're welcome, uh, Ardmore, mm-hmm. no problem. Okay, good. Uh, we have kind of a uh, well. We had, by the way, the tire was three pounds down. I mean, oh, thanks for reminding me. You're not worried about that. Well, I am. Uh, I was preoccupied. Well, I know we had an interesting trip. thing, something <clears> that we've never quite happened. Uh, we before. haven't done this before, but. Yeah, we were excited about coming to Beer, beer Bottle Crossing, Idaho. Right, because we threw the the dart, we picked yeah. a weird town name. We go, yeah. oh, Beer Bottle, that's yeah, right that's up our alley. Fun. Yeah, and so we we drove up here, and uh, and uh, it, it, when we got there, uh, this is what it was like. This is what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, hey, um, uh, not much here. No, it really isn't. I mean, you know, matter of fact, there's nothing, nothing here. here. And you know, I mean, there's nothing. Li- and then there's we've had a little too much of this. Yeah, in the past. That's uh, right. Recent days. Um, what do you say? There was another town. There's another town uh, for a little yeah. further north. Yeah. Uh, Let's go back inside and check the notes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, now uh, where's where that? Give me that piece of paper. Really piece of paper. Uh, th- here. Yeah, there you go. There was another town. Uh, I think it's further oh, north. Oh yeah, that's it. Uh, good grief. Good grief. Good grief, Idaho. Okay, now that's. I mean, I, I'm liking the sound of it. Well, it, it's a. It, you know, it's a toss of a dart. That's but, it. That's uh, it. Uh, let's just let's just get back let's and get, in the. And let's go. get and go. All right. Okay. Fine. Fair enough. Okay, so that's that's how it happened. Yeah, and and when we got here, we found out that indeed it was a lot. better. It was a lot better. I mean, which isn't really saying much. No, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's but it's something. a more interesting place it's anyway. Something you remember? Here's what here's what we found out when we got here. Uh huh. Good grief, Idaho. Okay, yes. now there's it's population right. Three people, two dogs, and one old grouch. <laughs> and yeah. and that's and this was a town that was featured on Hee Haw. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's got, oh, well, now we're talking. Yeah. You know, we got some history. But it, it's just about four miles. We're only about four miles south of, Can- of the Canadian border. Right. I mean, we're way up it north It was here. another hike, but yeah. yeah. Another hike, yeah. I mean, it was, well, Idaho is kind of long and skinny. We went to the very top of it up here. Yes, we did. But, but it's, uh, you know, that particular phrase is mostly attributable to Charlie Brown. 
Of course. You know, good grief. But uh, anyway, at the uh, turn of the century, along the, they got a river up here called the Moye River. And it was a little homestead known as Addy. And okay. this guy named Greenway named it for his wife. And together they ran a little general store there. But uh, in 1920, they sold the business to a, a man by the name of Crawford. Uh, and 13 years later, he built a new store along the newly developed Highway 95, you know, and he sold it to another guy named Mason in 1948, right? Okay, this is where it gets funny because it gets a little muddled and the historical narrative is a little unclear. But uh, apparently, the guy uh, bought, bought the, a guy named uh, Paul Springs bought the store in 1950, didn't tell his wife about it. Right, Uh-oh. so got so, a feeling I know where this is going. So he said, "Honey, come on out. Look at this place we bought." And she goes, and she looks at it. And she goes, "What? Good grief!" <laughs> and and the air's been known by that name ever since. So there you go. And then, of course, in, in the seventies, the variety show Hee Haw saluted the town, saying, "Population: three people, two dogs, and one old grouch." And that's how. Anyway, yeah. the people here take it. They got a pretty good sense of humor about the whole oh, thing. Oh yeah, and they didn't even look askance at us and in Rosie. They go, "We fit right in here." Uh, yeah, it's 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 nice to fit in <laughs> occasionally, I guess. Oh yeah. man, it's it's been so. This has been a lot of fun. We've yeah. had a good time here. Well, um, you know, people ask us. They say, "Derriers, you know, what is your deal anyway?" You know, you you drive around the countryside yeah. in that old RV. Yeah, you go to Beer Bottle Crossing, yeah. and then you jump back in <laughs> and go, you go to Good Grief. We got to get out of this place to go to another place, and, and you're and you're actually happy about yeah. being there. Yeah, and uh, you know. I, what do you what do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing? Well, we aren't thinking. We not, we, if we thought it out, we would never do it. We would never have done it. No, yeah. we never have done it. So. But unlike our compadres in uh, at Truckers Radio USA, right. who have these things called ranches, ranches, yeah, and they get to do their uh, shows from the relative comfort of their ranches. I'm thinking, you know, a little martini, you know, just could be sitting in a couch. You bet, it might be, might be. You know, for instance, Rex Allen Jr. has the Rock and Diamond R Ranch. And where is that, Roger? Well, Leo, it's in the Dos Cabezas Mountains, of course. And Alan Bailey has the Swinging Gate Ranch out there in western Kansas. Yep. Oren Friesen, who is the human footnote of the Derriers. He never misses a lick. He doesn't miss anything. Uh, he has the Rock and Banjo Ranch there in central Kansas. Right. And uh, we were whining to our pal Suzanne about, oh, well, gee, we wish we had a ranch like our buddies Right. Do. And she said, look at it this way, guys. She said, you've got the entire continental United States from border to border, from ocean to ocean. You might say that you have a ranch without without fences. fences. That's correct. And we ride that range in our RV called... Almost the way to Canada. Yeah, that's true. We're way up here. Yeah. All right. Well, it's all good. It is good. And you know what? What? It's your turn, Leo. Oh, man. Okay. All right. I mean, all this and music, too. (laughs) Music, too. (laughs) (laughs) You remember, um, it was episode 99, and I uh, featured uh, a tune called Quiet Village. And it had with exotica music, right? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, well, I'm circling back here a little bit uh, because there's this guy who kind of came out of that whole experience. His name was Arthur Lyman, and he was born in 1932. He passed away in 2002, but he was basically a Hawaiian jazz vibraphone and marimba player, right? 
Okay. And his group uh, popularized a style of faux Polynesian music during the 50s and 60s, which later became known as Exotica. All right. All right. And this other guy kind of brought him into it. But just a, just a, a little background on it first. He was actually born on the uh, island uh, of Kauai. Kauai. How do you pronounce Kauai? It's K-A-U-A-I. I should know how to do that. Kauai? Kauai, I Kauai, believe. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and at the time, it was a U.S. territory of Hawaii. And um, he was the youngest of eight, eight children of a Hawaiian mother and a father of Hawaiian, French, uh, Belgian, and Chinese descent. All right? Okay. Kind of a mixed bag there. Anyway, his father, who was a riveter uh, in the maritime trade, lost his eyesight in an accident. And the family settled, settled another little uh, sub-district of Honolulu. Now, here's where it gets kind of crazy. His father was very strict. And each day after school, he would lock him in a room with orders to play along to a stack of Benny Goodman records to learn what good music is. I mean, he was enforcing this. Stuff. And he goes, wow. he says, I had this little toy marimba. And it's sort of like a, a, a sort of a brass, uh, a bass xylophone, you know, that okay. he, and he said, from those old 78 RPM discs, I learned every note Lyle Hampton recorded with the Goodman group. Wow. I mean, it was just ingrained in him, right? Wow. And he, he, he got into, he made his public de- uh, debut playing his toy marimba <laughs> <laughs> on, on the, the Listerine Amateur Hour. And he won a bottle of Listerine. Oh boy! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, but this is, he all he went on to really study uh, the four mallet style of playing, which offers a greater a range of chord formations, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. And he became uh, good enough. He, so he turned professional at the age of fourteen, and then it, he was uh, he was working at a place called Leroy's, which was a little nightclub down you know on the beach. And I was making about sixty dollars a week working Monday Monday to Saturday. From 9 to 2 in the morning, and then I'd go to school later on wow. in the morning. It was, it was tough, man. But he got to be, he for a while he said, no, this music is too hard, man. I'm just going to quit. So he, he went um, he went to work as a desk clerk. It wasn't the music that was hard. It was the life. It was the life. Yeah. Everything, just yeah. trying to do too much. Five you know? hours a night, uh, six nights a week. There and, you go. Plus uh, going to school, yeah. And so he started working as, as a desk clerk in this hotel. And in 1954, he met this guy named Martin Denny. Who was already there, yeah, you know, and doing okay. his whole thing, sure. And uh, Mar- he heard him play, and he offered the kid who was twenty-one years old at the time. He offered him a spot in the band, and he said, "Well, I got this good job." The guy says, "I'm going to pay you a hundred dollars a week." You know, said, what job? Four hundred dollars. What job? <laughs> and so he said, "I'm going." All right. So listen, here's what gets really good. The guy really developed this style, and most of his albums were recorded in in the aluminum Kaiser geodesic dome auditorium on the grounds of the Kaiser Hawaiian Village Hotel in Waikiki. All okay. right. The space it, it, he liked it there because it had a natural three second reverb. Wow. In the building, but the parting they also benefited from being recorded on a one of a kind Ampex three track half-inch tape recorder that was designed and built pretty much for him by a guy named Richard Vaughn. And all of his albums were recorded live without overdubbing. Wow. And he would they record after midnight to avoid the sounds of the traffic and the tourists. And occasionally you can hear, on some of his recordings, you can actually hear the aluminum dome creaking a little bit as wow. it settles into the night air. But he noted he didn't really like recording that way because, you know, it was kind of hard. But he did because it was free. Sure, and it turned out to be a brilliant decision because after they would play in the lounge, the band would bring their instruments over and record all night, and they would quit when they'd hear the trash trucks coming. 
But now here's where it gets really interesting. The quality that he achieved on these recordings became even more evident later on with the advent of the CD reissues. Okay, the, yeah. All the digital stuff. Mm-hmm. And when the digital mastering engineer, he found that he didn't have to do anything to them but transfer the original three-stack stereo masters to digital. And the recordings remain state-of-the-art now, wow. 55 years later. Awesome. That says a lot. That's great. It, it really does, man. It's, it's a pretty interesting thing. So anyway, uh, it was a great, he's a great recorder, and his signature tune uh, that he was known for was one that our friend uh, 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 Fred Uzel yeah. likes, likes to play. The song is, uh, is called Yellow Bird, and he recorded it several times in his career, but this particular recording was made in 1961. Like that. That's nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love the whole backstory about that recording process. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. pretty wild. Yeah. Okay, Raj, what you got? Uh, I got a group uh, by the name of the Riptones. Yeah, I know who the Riptones are. Yeah. And these guys, they're, they're out of Chicago, 
And, uh, you know, there, there's a story behind them, but they're kind of part of that uh, Bloodshot Records mm-hmm. uh, whole crew, right? Yep. And um, uh, I, I stumbled across them when, when I was looking for something else, which happens to me all the time. But they signed with Bloodshot Records in 1997, and um, they're just a ton of fun. And they do they do a song that we have uh, uh, listened to a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford did it. Okay. Uh, but this is their version uh, from their album, Straight Out of Boone County from 1997, The Riptones doing Hucklebuck. <laughs> That's a great dude. Yeah. Here's a dance you should know. Finish up a song, doesn't it? <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, hey, look at the time. we got to get out of here, man. Yeah. It's, it's about time for our apologetic beer run. Yeah? Yeah. And there's people here that will appreciate us for this. Yeah, that's true. These are our kind of people. They are, They yes. really are. Yeah. Hey, and listen, I, I, I did find some beer, though. I think oh, you did? Yeah. I think it sounds really, really interesting. Uh-huh. And uh, maybe this is what we ought to use. Well, we, I can't wait. Okay, check this out. All right. Watering gardens is my line, says Green Thumb J. McGrew. But when you want to quench your thirst, then here's the thing to do. You ought to make friends with Valley Forge, the beer with a wonderful flavor. Make friends with Valley Forge, do yourself a big favor. It's pale, it's light, it's smooth. It always tastes just right, so you ought to make friends with Valley Forge, the beer with a wonderful flavor. When friends drop in, invite them to make friends with Valley Forge. If they're like most people today, they like a modern beer, a beer that's pale, light. Smooth. Yes, they like Valley Forge beer because every drop is brewed especially to suit the modern taste. 
for thirst-quenching refreshment, for downright satisfaction, there's just nothing quite like Valley Forge beer. In fact, the most a host can do for friends is serve Valley Forge. So you ought to make friends with Valley Forge, the beer with a wonderful flavor. Hey, we're backing up. We are backing up. That's, we're backing up. Yeah. People don't mind the way we back up up here. Yeah. We we backed up right down Main Street. You yeah. Know, because it was the easiest way to get in the camping spot. You so. know, if <clears throat> if we were smart, we might just stay here. But we we might. <laughs> I doubt that we, we've happen. kind of found our people. I think. <laughs> I think we. <laughs> <laughs> we had to go a long way to get there. Oh, Almost to Canada. Almost to Canada. What does that say? I think it's only like eight <clears throat> or ten miles. I mean, we're really close. Oh, we're close. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's really close. Well, uh, this is the part of the show where, um, you know, uh, well, we just we beg. Be- we beg. We just beg people to go to our yeah, website. Just quicker, just get right yeah, to it, just, you know. You know, dispense with the uh, niceties. Nothing just, subtle about yeah. it. But, you know, I mean, it, it. we spend a lot of time on our website. We work really hard, yeah. And, and uh, we continue to put new things on there. I just put some new stuff on, up there last week. That's right. And, um, you know, take a little bit of time. Uh, just to, you're at work. You're listening at work anyway. Show some you're, appreciation. You're ordering you know? stuff off Amazon. That's right. You know, you you got time to go check out our website. Exactly. Uh, the one for this show is thederrieres.com. That's correct. And especially if you're at work. Oh. Oh, don't forget the. The. Yeah. Because if the wrong one pops up on oh, your boy. screen with the bob. Uh, HR will be in your oh, office right now. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah you, that would be disastrous. You don't want right that. Nope. Uh, and, of course, the one for the band is... Well, that's 3trailswest.com with the number 3 there on the front. Uh-huh. And that's where you go to look to see what our playing schedule is. And you can look and see if we've got some music there you might want to order up. Yeah. Got stickers and, you know... T-shirts. T-shirts. Got all yeah. kinds of stuff over there. Yeah. Well, if you go to either website, you're going to find a lot of content. content yes. And uh, if if you look at it, we think that you probably will be contented. contented. But, boy, there's so much to choose from now. You could become confused, confused. in which case you should just... Contact, contact us, and we'll walk you through the whole thing. Yeah, there's yeah. contact us tabs on both websites, or you can get right to us with our email addresses. Right. Uh, mine is Roger, no D, at thederriers.com. And mine is Leo, also no D, mm-hmm. at thederriers.com. Right. You know, right. also, if you go to thederriers.com, go to the Americana Roadshow, Roadshow tab, and from there you can uh, listen to any of our past episodes, or if you prefer, you could download them and listen to them at your leisure. There you go. Preferably while wearing your... Leisure suit and yes. taking a picture and sending it to oh, us. We haven't gotten that yeah, picture. Somebody's yet. going to do that one of these Eventually, days. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, you know what else, Leo? Hey, what else? You can also find uh, all of our past episodes now on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. That's great. Spotify is a wonderful. Mm. I know you like Spotify. You, can, you just punch it right up and say, yeah. Americana Roadshow, yeah. and there we are. And there's there's other platforms. Though. Really? There's uh, more. There's more that. Yeah, there there's are. Sp- there's Spotify. Yeah, people though. might want to listen to it on Stitcher. Well. I've never heard of Stitcher, but I I know yeah. about Spotify. Well, because you know, I, I only right say Stitcher that. every week. But well, I guess you're, I, you're too busy saying I'm not. I Spotify. Spotify yeah. Is, yeah, that's what I'm. Uh, it's also on TuneIn Radio. And Spotify just rolls up. It does, Spotify. but it's on Amazon and, Music and Spotify too. and I I Heart Radio. I don't know about them uh, either. I'm just <laughs> I, I want to talk about Spotify. You know, you can't listen when you're talking. Well, that's true enough. Yeah, as our good buddy Mike Carr says, go nowheres. Without, Without the dairy ears. Yeah, thank we, you, Mike. We appreciate it. Okay, Leo, I believe you are back up. This I've got this this kid, and I call him a kid because he's a young kid. Uh, his name is Chris Tone Ingram, and uh, he goes by the name Kingfish, right? 
Now, he at the time I, I first, uh, let's see, this came, I got a lot of this information from an article that came out, oh, three or four years ago on, um, on uh, what was that, from uh, Rolling Stone, a magazine. Okay. Anyway, he was 19 years old at the time they did this article. But listen, he, he was raised about 10 minutes away from the crossroads where Robert Johnson supposedly did some business with Beezlebub, okay? Oh, yeah. We went, <laughs> we went through that. We went through that. Whatever episode. And he said, no, he's, I, I didn't do any of that. But listen, he's, he, he's one of the only young people he knows of himself in a 21st century Clarksdale, Mississippi, with any interest in the city's musical legacy. Wow. And we talked about this, uh, uh, you know. I think a, our last episode yeah, you covered a guy. I covered a guy. That did, yeah. and these guys were kind of of the same ilk, that's, right? That's great. And they're both kind of trying to make inroads back into re- reclaiming what is essentially a, a black American musical style. Right. right? That's great. So when he, was, when he was a kid, his dad showed him a, a Muddy Waters documentary when he was like 11 years old, right? And he was just like totally entranced by it. And so he started taking lessons at the Delta Blues Museum in town, and he absorbed basically a century's worth of guitar styles. Wow. He just, just went totally into it. And it, he, the sound kind of encompasses B.B. King, Jimi Hendrix, you know, Prince. I mean, wherever he could find, you know, an inspiration, he was going after it. So, he, But he's one of the most um, exciting used blues artists in years, as far as I'm concerned. He's just an incredible um, player. But he also says that he's encountered audience members who are surprised to young, see a young black guy playing the blues. He, <laughs> wow. says, he says, I've actually had times when people thought I was like a part of the crew or something, you know? Wow. And he said, but well, it's we our, get that all the we time. We get that all the time. <laughs> because we could are. You, could you guys check my oil? <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I think it's our bad attitude. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he's just an incredible player, and he's a real credit uh, to the music and everything. So uh, this, is, this is our boy right here, Christine uh, Kingfish Ingram. And he recorded this in 2019, and the song is called Outside of This Town. I'm leaving this town tomorrow I've got many places to see and many places to go Doing the same old thing Shooting for the highest star Want people to remember my name If you don't understand Let me break it down I know that there's life Outside of this town Out of this town Out of this town 
Outside of this town Outside of this town Dirty right there. That's good stuff, Leo. Oh man! Ever so often, you just got to get into it. That's a that's a good one. You bet. All right, Rog, what you got? The Knitters. No, you don't. Yep. What? It's a Los Angeles-based band, and the name is a play on the name of the folk group, the Weavers. Uh, oh, the Knitters. <laughs> the okay. Knitters. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so uh, it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, so the, these three of the four members were part of the punk band X. Another guy was uh, a part of the Blasters. Another guy was in the Flesh Eaters. <laughs> and another guy's in the Red Devils. Oh, man. Okay, but they put together this. It's really Western Swing is what it is. And they ended up getting hooked up with, guess who? What? Bloodshot Records again. Oh, really? Okay. Those guys are kind of like a, a consistent in your diet. I they think. are. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so they, the album is called The Knitters, Poor Little Critter, Poor Little Knitter on the Road, a tribute to The Knitters from 1999. <laughs> They're doing Why Don't We Try Anymore. Why don't we even try anymore? It's like using that old key in the door. Seven years 
possibly sure? Job that's of a it. good song, absolutely. Yes, and, All right, and you know what? What? I think we're out of time for oh, this show. Oh, yeah, that's you're right. We've kind of just blown through it. <laughs> We've blown through it. It got just a little ridiculous there for a minute, but uh, uh, well, it does. I mean, as a general rule, you know, we don't stand out so much as here as we do some other places. I know. It sounds like you just want to stay. I do kind of, but we gotta but go. We gotta. We, go. we have to do we that. Got, we gotta go. That's and right. so we gotta figure out where we're going. Okay, uh, that's true. So it's uh, my turn to throw the dart. Oh, that's true. So okay. you get the map. Hang on for okay. a second. Okay. Get the map. Oh, yeah. Careful. Well, he's hanging out right there. Right, 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 right. Get it up on the wire. Okay, there good? you go. Yep, yep. Okay, uh, right. I'll get the dart. dart. It's spoon door two. Man, we got a lot of spoons. Look at that. Wow. Okay, get it done. Uh, I'm ready. All right. Uh, okay, let me get in the circle. Okay. Okay, yeah, here we ready? go. Mm-hmm. Okay. One, two, three. Throw the dart. Throw the dart. Oh, boy, oh. we went... Pretty much straight uh, down. We're down in uh, uh, Arizona. Like Arizona. Okay, give okay, me that uh, paper. Hang on. With the weird town names. Okay. All right. Uh, weird town names in Arizona. Oh, we got to go here. Okay, what? Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. Santa Claus, Arizona. That's that. That works for me. That'll work. Why not, man? That okay. sounds like fun. Okay, well, we'll do that. All right. And, um,. <laughs> What are you thinking there, Roger? I don't know. Yeah, I hope no we don't idea. have to take a detour from Santa Claus and go somewhere else. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, hopefully not. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sure we'll have a good time in Santa Claus. I have faith in Santa Claus. Okay, I believe. Right. You believe. I believe in you Santa believe Claus, in Santa. Arizona. That's why you little naive person, you. Okay. okay, well, we'll do that, and then we'll do this again uh, next week. Uh, this has been the Americana Roadshow right here on Truckers Radio USA. USA. And remember to look out behind you. It's the Derriere.